right. Put on my reading glasses. Anybody have reading glasses? Ah, open my eyes that I might see. That's what happens when you get older. Okay, those of y'all that are new, uh, Mission Church, um, we kind of, we're a verse-by-verse church. What that means is we grab a book out of the Bible, we just teach it verse-by-verse. We do some topics, not many, um, because we feel like if 66 books were written by God in their continuity, then they were meant to be taught that way. So that's what we do. We're in Acts right now. You can turn your Bibles if you have one, Acts chapter 15. We'll hit one verse today, uh, and then we'll call it a day. <clears throat> I'm going to try to give you a little bit of time on the back end to go and be a part of our discipleship group, community groups. And let me just say, we call discipleship groups, that's uh, same sex, Pastor Daniel did a great job explaining it, threes and fours, focusing on Bible study every week in our season. And when our season is, that we call it is from August to May. And why we call that our season is because this is when uh, most of mission is gathered. We have a lot of kids in our church when school is happening, <clears throat> medical school, college, high school, junior high, whatever. This is where the mass of our people are here. Uh, we do meet during the summertime. That's kind of our off season where we regroup. We'll have community groups and discipleship groups either choose to continue on or stop for a little bit just to get a break. But during this time, every one of the leaders that you see here, we all lead discipleship groups. Uh, so this is not a, something we want y'all to do and we don't do. We all do this. And is it hard? Yep. It's hard to lead a discipleship group. It's hard to be a part of a discipleship group, but can we agree that all great things come from some hardness, come from some pain, come from some suffering? There is no easy way out. And so when we see in the Bible, we've been studying Acts, and the beginning of Acts is really the beginning of the church. Okay, so Jesus has come. If you remember, we've talked about Jesus was not white Jesus, 70s looking rocker dude with soft hands and a, and a sweet little spirit about him. Uh, he was a carpenter. He probably he's way darker, uh, dark hair. <clears throat> he, you couldn't pick him out of a crowd. Uh, his dad was blue collar, so he was blue collar. He had brothers and sisters in accordance with scripture. Um, he didn't ta- start his ministry till 30. So what did he do until he was 30? Probably made tables and made chairs, you know? Fixed stuff with his brothers in the family business. His earthly father, father's name was Joseph. He was a carpenter. That's probably what he did. At 30, we see him come on the scene. And if you remember, he's at a wedding. And he's kind of rolling already with some of his boys. They've heard him speak. They're getting excited about who he is. He's still kind of uh, on the down low in terms of what he's trying to do. And they run out of wine at the wedding. Which is interesting because half my life I was a Baptist. And we were taught by the Baptists, like, well, you know, it was just grape juice, what they're talking about. No, they weren't. They had run out of wine, and Jesus' mom, Mary, said, uh, <clears throat> just go talk to him. And Jesus' response in that is like, I'm not ready. And Mary's like, just do what he says. All right? Jesus' first miracle was, was turning water into wine. That's a whole nother story, but that's what he did. That was his first thing he did. Then he began to call, not educated young Galileans, but rough dudes, fishermen, all right? 
guys that worked for a living. Two, two of them were called Sons of Thunder because they were loud and they were boisterous. So he called all these rough men to follow him. And for three, three and a half years, he just went through cities and towns and began to share the truth. And what was the truth? That he was a good person talking about a holy God? No, what he said was clearly over and over again, I am. I am, which was a statement, a definition that I am God. It was heresy in the moment for him to say that. But it wasn't heresy if it was true. So Jesus was declaring that he was the son of God. And if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And I'm I'm the one that can forgive you. I'm the only way to God. This was his statement. And it was inflammatory to say the least. Like people began to follow him in such a way that he couldn't come into some towns because he would just get mobbed. So at the end of his life, what we see is that even the closest disciples have a hard time believing him. His closest had issues with what he was doing and what he said. He had to rebuke them, let alone people around him. Yet he's there telling the truth. People are being drawn to him. He gets to a place where he's, he's, he's captured, if you will, by outside eyes, by the local Sanhedrin, by the local leadership, and they decide to crucify him, which was the worst death of the day. On record, we see Roman soldiers, when they were told that they were going to be crucified, they were going to shock, tough, rough soldiers, because they knew what crucifixion was. It was basically I won't go into horrible detail, but basically they would nail you and your appendages to the cross completely naked and you would die there and it would take days. And so they chose to do this to Jesus who had never sinned, scripture recorded, who actually, even if he was just a man like me and you, had done a lot of good things. He was a good dude. And they decided to crucify him. Why? Because what he was saying was countercultural to real spiritual voice in that day, real spiritual demonic voice in that day. Live for yourself. You're a good person. You can do these things. What you do earns your salvation. Like God, listen, it's God, but it's God and you need to keep all these rules. God and keep your hair short. God and do whatever your husband says. God and all this garbage that was not salvific, that did not save So our Savior, King Jesus, went to the cross, the one that was the creator, not the created, the creator, went to the cross for you and for me, was nailed naked, embarrassed, shamed in front of his earthly mom and his earthly brothers and sisters and all his disciples, okay? And he was hung on a cross. He probably wasn't hung on a James Avery cross, amen? Probably a T, it's called a taw, all right? They could lap his head over the top, they could wrap his arms around, and they could hang him on there, and it would take days for him to die. So we see Jesus going to the cross for you and for me. You know the angels of heaven were like, say the word. Just say, just say, come. And the, the wrath of God through the angels would have been on those people, and yet payment had to be paid. It had to be paid because you and I cannot save ourselves. You're not good enough. And some of y'all are really good. Some of y'all are really bad, okay? God came to save anybody that is apart from him. And scripture says we're all apart from him. 
So Jesus, the creator of the universe, the one we see in Genesis 1, where God says, let us make man in our image. Who do you think was talking right there? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, okay? Trinity, yet the word's never used in the Bible, but that declares the Godhead. Jesus goes to the cross. Jesus allows himself to be hung on the cross. Why? Because sin had to be paid for. And you see Jesus not dying. You see Jesus what? It is finished. And Jesus gives up his life. And Jesus is the one who comes back to life from the dead three days later. That is crucial for where we're going in study today. Because some of us have been taught this process of that you and I can just choose to you know, come to God and save ourselves. Which means on Tuesday, if we're not feeling right about it, we can walk away from God. And it's this open door relationship that we have with the master of the universe, with the king of kings. That's not how it works. Jesus is the one who saves by himself. You are the one that is saved by yourself, by the way. You're not saved. You don't, you don't save everybody behind you. There are no grandchildren in heaven, just kids, all right? It's really good news. So let me just read one verse today from Acts 15. Um, the prelude up to this is after Jesus was put on the cross and he gave up his own life. So their intention was to murder him, but he was not murdered. He gave up his own life and he brought himself back from the dead. Um, then he appears to hundreds of people for over a month and he talks to them about what will be coming, what's about to happen and he prepares them and then they, he, they see him rise up into heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty where he prays for me and for you. See, because he gets your sin, he feels your sin. You know why? So we're gonna see today that Jesus received your sin into him, not symbolically, in reality. So the ugly sexual sins that you have committed were imputed to Christ on the cross. Ugly violence that you have felt was imputed to Jesus on the cross, which means it came upon him. He didn't like, I'll die for you in quotes. I'll die for you and I'll take from you everything that you have done and it will be upon me. So the sinless one felt the wrath of God and the sin of the world. So no matter what you've done and where you've been, what's happened to you, you can never say in the presence of Christ, you don't understand me. You can never say that because he does. Because he took that sin that you're saying he doesn't understand and he felt it. Jesus knows what it's like to be a predator. Never was one, but he's felt that sin. He knows what it's like to be a murderer. He knows what it's like to be a pervert. I know that offends some of you guys, but this is the gospel. He never did those things. That's why he was able to sacrifice. But he had received them unto himself. And I'll prove that to you from scripture today. Acts 15, verse one. Paul and Barnabas, they've been missionaries. They've been on the road. Their kind of process as believers has been to go to a city to share the gospel with the Jews, with the church people, the religious people. And then they would beat the living, you know what, out of him, 
take him out of town, think he's going to die, and he would get back up, and he would go back into the city and share with all the non-believers. And I'll tell you, to those of you that are evangelists in the room, by the way, all of you are called to be, it is much easier sometimes to share the gospel with non-believers than to talk about the gospel with believers. It's easier. You know why? Because they're hungry, hungry, and they, they know they're dirty. Christians tend to think they're not. And apart from Christ, we can do nothing, okay? So they've come back to the church. They're sharing what's happening on their missionary journeys. Here's what happens. Verse 1, chapter 15. Some men came down from Judea and began to teach the brothers in the church, the brothers and sisters, unless you are circumcised according to the custom prescribed by Moses, you cannot be saved. What this is called is gospel plus. All right. So what the guys were saying is like, hey, we're part of the same church you are. We believe in Jesus too. We're another testament of Jesus Christ. You heard that before? Like this is the thing. Health and wealth is another testament, by the way. So they're saying, look, we're Christians just like you guys, but you need to understand something was missed in the past. You need to be, you need to love Jesus and accept him and you need to be circumcised. That's your way to salvation. So listen, you can put anything in the gap, and I'll show you that in a few minutes. Whatever your thing is, you and I live under a pretense, a lie that says, yeah, yeah, we believe in Jesus, we follow Jesus, but man, I just need to not say bad words for a month. Well, it's not a bad thing, but it's not going to save you. What I need to do is cut my hair because I have long hippie hair and I need to stop that and that's crazy. Or I need to get my tattoos covered or I need to, I need to, I need to. You will chase that carrot the rest of your life and none of it will ever save you. You could be number one tither. You could have a thousand stars on your Sunday school card. Only a few of y'all know what I'm just talking about. You can attend forever. You can evangelize the world. You can meet Mother Teresa in food distribution. You can do all these things and you will get to heaven. If that's what you're bringing to God, he will say to you, depart from me. I've never known you. You've done these things for yourself. No, God, we did them for you. No, the the creator knows who, who we live for. So the proper context, the proper order is for us to realize today, only Jesus saves. And this is the, where we get into this, a lot of Christians will be like, I know, which is a nice way of saying something else. Uh, I know you know, but listen, when you and I hear real truth, the response to it every time should be, tell me more. It's salvific. It saves you. Selena's not here in this service, my wife, so I can talk about her. When she says to me, honey, I love you, my response is never, I know. Some men just set up straight like, you should never, ever say that. (laughs) Ever. Yeah, you're right. I know. Yeah, I should never say that. Why? Because it's a good thing for me to know that my wife loves me every day. I'm excited about the fact that she loves me. When my kids say to me, Daddy, I love you, I don't say, yes, girl, I know, go wash the dishes. No, listen, my response is softened every time. And it's actually like a, an easy manipulation into my heart for them to say. Carolina used to say, she's not here yet, I'll talk about her. She would say when she was five, Daddy, yes, honey, I love you. 
And I would say, sweetheart, that's awesome. She's like, can we go to the pool? There was the ask. And, and honestly, most of the time, because she said, I love you, we're going to the pool. All right? I desire that love. And God desires your love too, okay? He desires us to love him. But it's gospel plus nothing. It's not what you're going to pour out to God in the next 30 years. The works matter. They're good. They're really good. Like discipleship is a solid work. We're asking you in the name of Jesus to care and love for other people and chop it up with people that are going to hold you accountable, which always stings a little bit, but it's always better. To be a part of this is a good thing. Works are awesome, but they do not save you. And that's where we, we have to make sure because everybody turns into a Pharisee. Everybody has their own legalism when life gets hard. And life's going to get hard this semester, amen? We all know that by now. Can we agree that it's hard to raise kids? It's hard to be married. It's hard to be in corporate America in this day and age. It's hard to be in the military in this day and age. It's hard to just, it's hard to go to the movies in this day and age. Like, listen, it's mounting so we best, we best realize that numbers matter and come together and really begin to band up, really begin to lock arms. We go out to do the things God has called us to do, and then we return to replenish and encourage. Community groups are that. They're just giant parties. We want you to be a part of them. Now, legal, legalistic folk would bow up on me when we started doing this at the beginning of mission, like, well, no pastor, like a community group needs to be a Bible study. Show me that in scripture. And I'm all about Bible study. I love Bible study. I get nerd real quick. We'll do some etymology. I love word studies. I love all that stuff. But what we're called to do a lot of times with our Bible knowledge is we're also called to play it out and to love and serve. And some of my friends that I have at the gym I go to and some of my friends that I know will not come to a Bible study. Amen. Everybody got those? They maybe eventually will, but we just need to break bread with them. Have them over to our house. I remember I would have guys over to our house in McAllen, and these dudes would watch me wash dishes. They had never seen their fathers wash dishes. And one of them was like, I don't know why all my hood boys always look side to side like they're about to get arrested. <laughs> why are you washing dishes, Pastor Tom? And I said, because I'm a part of this house. Well, I mean, you're the man. Yeah, I'm the man. And I wash dishes and I wash clothes. And I changed diapers. Really? Yeah, they'd never seen that before. That's discipleship. That's care. That's saying, hey, our body matters. Our, our wives matter. Our children matter. We matter to one another. This is community. We want you in a community group. We want you in a discipleship group. Here's what we learned from this first verse. Outside negative influence is always on the way. It's always coming your way. So listen, if you're living your best life now, I hope you are. Pun intended, all right? If you're living your best life right now, if, see, if it's a premium time in your life, I'll say that. Just everything's going well. You got good relationships, good job. You, you're getting your, your, your jam on at the gym, like everything. You're high-fiving everything. Praise God. If, you're, if this is a really hard time in your life, and there's some pain and there's some obstacles in your issues, I would also say, praise God. If you don't know what to do next, I would say, praise God. If you're entering into a new exciting relationship and you're finally doing it the right way in Jesus' name, praise God. If you're coming out of a hard one right now, I would say, praise God. Let every 
breath in everything we do. Let our hearts praise the Lord. This is what we do when we come together because outside negative influence is always on the way. So if you're trying to seek the Lord right now and obey him, outside negative influence is on the way. Are you ready for it? Are you ready to love people when they say derogatory things about your faith in your workplace? Now, you don't, you don't need to debate them. You really don't. You just need to show them. You need to care for them. You need to have an anchor in Christ, and that's what we do in Bible study. So gospel plus anything else equal heresy. It's heresy. Let's just be honest about that. Men coming from outside the church to bring the truth. Anybody had any brothers or sisters tell you, hey, listen, we just want to share with you something we've been learning. It's a new, when I hear new teaching, I run. Because ain't no such thing as new teachings. Everything's, there's nothing new under the sun, Solomon says. We have the word of God. So I don't need a new teaching. I need that ancient old true teaching. That's the value right there. And when you and I talk to people about the gospel, that's how you don't have to dress it up. You don't have to add things to it. you're, You're tainting it. You taint it. I taint it. Christ purifies it. Gospel plus circumcision in this passage equals salvation. This is what they were saying. The truth of the matter is gospel plus nothing equal the gospel. All you have to give to people is the truth about Jesus Christ. Now, let me prove it to you in 1 John 4, 9. Here's what the author says. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. Man, a lot of people are using that word manifest lately on YouTube. You hearing it, Mike? A lot of people use the word manifest. And when I hear it, I'm like, you have no idea what you're saying. It's just a sweet word to put in your rap right now or something like, you, don't even, you know what it means. In this love, the, God of, the love of God was made manifest, made known. That's all it means. Here's what he makes known, that God sent his only son into the world. Why? So that we might live through him. Now, it's a slight misnomer when we say we live for Christ. Slight We do live for Christ, but you can't live for Christ until you're living through Christ. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't be a good Christian if Christ has not come in and permeated your soul and saved you and radically opened your eyes to who he is. All right? Through him. Here's what the author says. In this, in in this radical just... Uh, really taking us over from inside out. In this is love, it's agape love. And here's the declaration, the clarity of the love. Not that we have loved God. So the clarifier, we're not looking. How many people love God here? Me, 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 me. God is so lucky. No, it starts with this right here. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, which is important to love God. I love Lord, I, I love Jesus. That's part of my salvation story. I remember people talking about Jesus like, I love Jesus. My response like, I don't love him. I like him. He seemed like he was a pretty good guy. But love him? I don't know if I love him. But then I started studying his word and realized what he did for me. And a love relationship happened. And like six months later, I thought, man, I love Jesus. Like he has done everything for me. For no reason other than he chose to. 
That's the type of relationship that changes everything. We were talking about it in the uh, marriage and parenting class this morning that it's normal in our humanity to love when we're loved. You love me, I love you back. Maybe you don't love me a little bit. I'm going to show you how awesome I am. I'm going to love you even that day. But if you stop loving me, I don't have to love you. Those are the rules. Show me the scripture for that. There's no scripture for that. We have a relationship with God who he loves us first. And he loves us completely. And he loves us deep and wide. He doesn't like, I'm going to love you if you keep that hair short. I'm going to love you if you take your earrings out. I'm going to love you. There's no gospel plus with the one who wrote and perfected the gospel. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are, have heavy weight upon you, and, and I will give you rest. Not me and your actions to me, just me. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the what? Propitiation for our sins. Propitiation. So say that word with me right now. One, two, three. Propitiation. We can do better than that. One, two, three. Propitiation. Yeah, so when people ask you what you cover in church, like, we just talk about propitiation. How was your weekend? You're like, what? Here's what we learned from this passage right here. This is, this is the kind of study we do. We don't want to ever just read a verse and say something to each other like, well, I think it, well, my truth, it says this. Scripture says one thing. It doesn't, you don't get to interpret it. That makes you God. God has already given us his word. We come under its authority and we share that truth. And that's the power of small group Bible study. It's not how eloquent you are, your stories or all your history and stuff. It's just telling the truth. That's all it is. What have we learned from this passage? God sent his son. Why? Because none of us could do the work. Not you, not me, not the best person in the room. All fall short of the glory of God. God sent his son. What's the second thing we learned from this passage? We live only through Jesus I know, I, know that if, uh, I know if Jesus were to remove his presence from me, I would physically die. I know I would. I think I'd probably die of heartache if he did. Because I have felt his presence and I believe in him. And there's no way I could ever lie and say, well, you know, I'm not a Christian anymore. And that garbage you hear people say, they never knew him. Okay, when you know somebody, the word in Greek is konosko. It's like an intimate connection. It's like one, we walking with each other as friends for years and years and years and somebody's saying like, well, your best friend doesn't exist. You're right, he doesn't exist. You can't say that. You've walked with them for years. You know they exist. I know Almighty God exists. The propitiation, the best way I can describe it is this. Some of y'all may have some better definitions, but I always go for easiest definition that's not compromised in the truth. So it would be like me and my wife, my kids are out to dinner with you or your family. And some crazy lunatic comes in the restaurant and pulls out a gun and is going to shoot you, your wife, one of your kids. And somebody out of the crowd comes in and they throw themselves in front of that bullet, and they receive that shell, 
and you see them receive it and it stops, it doesn't go to you, it goes to them, and you see them fall, they have just been a propitiation for the wrath that was meant for you. Okay? Jesus is the one who stood in the way of God's wrath that you have earned. I've earned it too. I like re-earn it all the time. I am a sinner saved by grace. But what Jesus did is like, for no other reason than his own glory, not because what you were about to do, what you did do, whatever, just because he chose to, he threw himself in the way of that wrath and he received it. And the next word uses expiated it. He removed it. But the propitiation is Christ's protection over you and me by throwing himself in harm's way and removing that harm from you because you couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. Couldn't handle God's wrath. Can't handle God's wrath. Jesus could because he was the perfect one. But the full wrath of God was upon him. And that's why it's so beautiful when you read in the Bible. And on the third day, Christ rose again from the dead. Okay? Breaking sin and shame and removing that once and for all. What we have in Christ is not a hope to be better. What we have in Christ is salvation. Let that word be as powerful as it is. You don't need other words to describe it. Salvation is enough. We have been saved. This is why we confess and repent on a daily basis because we're renewing something daily. This is why we tell each other in our families that we love one another. My wife knows that I love her. I love her. Oh, I love her so much. And we have been through some very deep water together. Um, some of y'all have been that place too. But man, the change in our marriage began when we began to realize that the amount of forgiveness that Christ has given us is monumentally more than the forgiveness we are called to give one another. So Christian, none of you can hold forgiveness back from your loved ones. You are not permitted to do so based on the value that you have been given. You're not allowed to do it. You know why? Because your actions are not strong enough to replace what Christ has done for you. So the only choice we have as believers is to forgive and forgive rapidly. You have no power over your spouse in terms of forgiveness and granting forgiveness. All you are doing is giving away what's been given you. That's what forgiveness is. Not through our love, but his love for us. Next thing we learn is that Jesus is the propitiation. Think of that person jumping in front of you. Shot is fired. Shell hits. That person takes it away. You are alive in Christ because of his choice. So I'll finish with this. Salvation has everything to do with Jesus. And bite me. Okay, I'll be down front now. Please don't fight me because a lot of y'all hurt me. Don't do that. I'm just kidding. That was my Tourette's kicking in. <laughs> Salvation has everything to do with Jesus and nothing to do with your actions. 
what I want you to take away is like, really just begin to question in your heart where you are. Like, what are you saying? Jesus, I believe in you. And remember, I've done this. Jesus, I, I believe in you. And remember, like, I'm a really good husband, really good dad, or I'm really kind. All the things that do not stand on their own. I appreciate you being kind. Here's the deal. Our good works are a sign of a changed heart. They are. They're the overflow though, right? So, you know, you're filling up a, a bucket in your yard. You put the hose in the, I'm just super simple, y'all, okay? You put the hose in the bucket. You turn the water on because you don't want to scald your dog in the summertime. What happens with the water? Fills up the bucket. Then what happens? Yes. Thank you, Pastor Jesse. We're in Sunday school again. Yeah. That's the answer. So works are an overflow. And they're really good, man. I, I, I appreciate your works. I do. I love the fact that you guys are kind to me and you love me. I appreciate that. I want to be kind and I want to love you too. Those are works. They're great. They just don't save you. They never give you the power to look at God and say, how dare you allow one of my children to be sick? Because I've done these things. You've done nothing to earn salvation. Christ has done everything, and we receive that from him. It's free. It's, it's, it's way before your time. So I'll finish this. Um, gospel plus no more struggle of sin equal heresy. I've had people sit down with me and say, well, Brother Tom, like, I just don't struggle with sin anymore. Amen? I'm like, not amen. I'm not going to amen that. Like, no, you struggle. I had a meeting with the guy years ago. My XP, my executive pastor, was sitting with me. We thought this guy was going to be like a Sunday school leader for us. It was, we were super excited until we, we shared the sin we struggle with. I'm like, brother, what do you struggle with? He's like, I just don't struggle anymore in Jesus' name. And I saw my XP eating his lunch. He's like, mm. I said, well, Scripture says that we all struggle. He said, I don't struggle. What do you think I struggle with? And I said, you're self-righteous. You're full of yourself. Which finished up the lunch, pretty much. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was done. But you know what? That was the truth, and he needed to hear it. And maybe, maybe later I'll run into him in heaven, and we'll be, be connect, because I don't want any, anything bad to happen to him. But if, if I were to say, amen, brother, that's your truth, I would have been lying about God to get him to like me. And we can't do that. Okay, we have to tell the truth. So gospel plus no more struggle of sin. We're going to struggle till, till the last day. Let's struggle together. It's much easier. Amen? Like those of y'all that have anxiety issues, when does it get crazy? When you're by yourself. When does it help? Now, I know big crowds, I understand. But when you're with the through, a few people that understand you and got your back, now, I'm an introvert. The crowd I like is my family. That's about the only crowd I like. All right? But when I'm a, with some of y'all, I do feel there's protection here. There's protection here. I can handle this because my people are here. And they love me. And they love the same Jesus I love. And we're together. Okay? Um, gospel plus speaking in tongues. Anybody heard this? Well, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not a real Christian. Please show me the verse. And I'll take you to Chamagaucha on me. Your whole family. I'll take everybody. I don't have to do that because you can't. You have nothing to show me. It's the least of the gifts. Now, I want to speak in tongues. I don't speak in tongues. I want to. I ask the Lord two or three times a year. Lord, I love to speak a heavenly language. I would love that. 
He said, right now, my grace is sufficient for you. And that's not going to be your gift, though I know that gift exists. I've seen it. I've had brothers that have gone to China and they don't normally speak in tongues and they've been having conversation with somebody in the town and they walk away from that. And one of the other missionaries is like, I didn't know you spoke Mandarin. He's like, I didn't. I was just speaking. That lady spoke English. No, she didn't. Y'all were speaking Chinese right there. So that, that blesses my heart. Like that's the kind of thing I want, but that's, that's not for me. Gospel plus no alcohol. Some of y'all come from hard background. So you're straight edge now and that's great. But the Bible speaks about moderation. So the church has big doors. It's for the moderate. It's for the, I can't do that anymore. That's how I feel about some things y'all are allowed to do. I'm not allowed to do. Okay. So it's not gospel plus an action. Gospel plus proper hair and clothing. I've already covered this. We really don't do this here. But y'all been to other churches. Well, brother, we're glad you're in church now, but you need to put on some Sunday clothes. What in the heck are Sunday clothes? Does it, I mean, is that def, definitive for uncomfortable clothes? Like, I don't think so. I think, I think Jesus is like, come to church and be comfortable. The rule of thumb that we'll give to you guys that we give to our girls is we don't care what you wear. Just cover everything. That's, that's the good call right there. And the last one, gospel plus just Christian music. There's no such thing as Christian music, y'all. There's such thing as Christian artists. But music in itself is not Christian. That's why you're allowed to listen to really a litany of things. That's why you're, you're allowed to listen to the type of music that you like, but the words matter and the artist matters. All right? We don't listen to all Christian music at this church because some of it is horrible. It's just bad. It's like sweet and low from the 70s in a, in a drink. It's just gross. But now, listen, we also know there's some Christian music, man. That's my praise music. Certain uh, people that get the fact that they're broken and Christ has saved them. I'll listen to that music all day. And that's hymns. That's songs that are a thousand years old. That's little hip-hop artists that are 16. That's people that come from Africa. Like the praise of the Father through Jesus. That's really, really, really good stuff. But I also like to listen to secular music too. You just got to be careful. It's not gospel plus what you listen to. All right? It's gospel plus nothing equal gospel. So come be a part of some people that will study the Bible together. Keep it simple. We don't need any you know, crazy apologetics guys. So I like apologetics, man. I lean into that, but that's not our go-to. Our go-to is just to tell the truth in love, love and serve, tell the truth, keep it simple. All right. And, uh, and God be praised. Let's pray. We'll prepare our hearts for communion right now and call it a day. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Uh, Lord Jesus, we love you. And I'm just in, in awe right now. And thanks that I don't have to do a bunch of things to earn your favor, that you have already chose to favor me for your own glory. We just give you praise and honor for that. I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for your sovereignty and your eternal calling upon our lives. You knew us before time began. We just received that from you. And we ask now, Lord, that you would bless uh, the sacrament of communion as we come up front and receive the bread, which represents your body broken for us. And this juice, which represents 
your blood shed for us to pay for our sins, your actions, your life, your blessing, your salvation. We thank you. In your name we pray, King Jesus. Amen. Church, stand up when you're ready. If you're, 